so we can right now, whatever. Yeah, that's true. We. But Alice Cooper, I, I watched a interview with him and Greg Laurie the other day. Okay, yeah. Um, and he said he was talking to like other other performers, other rock stars from you know the seventies and stuff, and in the eighties or whatever. And he said they were like having a discussion about him being a Christian and how the others they don't give him a hard time or about it or anything, but they like kind of question it, you know, right. or like you know why would you do this or whatever. Um, and he said the number one question is about religion. And he said, no, it's, you don't need religion in your life. You need Jesus Christ in your life. And I'm like, that small distinction right, right there. Like, I, I'm listening to it as I was at work and I wrote it down on right. my, my big calendar there on my desk. I was like, I got to remember that. That's I mean, you got a guy hardcore. with black eyeliner, you know, eyeliner on, you know, yeah. big leather boots, you know, leather chaps on, everything else like that. Like, being able to still, like, Proclaim who Jesus is and everything. Everybody thinks that every Jesus follower is like a clean cut, you know, like guy named Eric or whatever. Right. Vice versa, but either way, you know, like, you know no fence, Eric. No fence, Eric. <laughs> but, you know, a guy, you know, he just works nine to five, comes home, gets his wife on the forehead, you know, just lives a very boring, you know, whatever life. But it's like, no, like being a follower, you know, Christ. And if you read the Bible and you've got, you know, listen to guys like Peter, for instance, talk. I mean, Peter was crazy. I mean, Peter's like, my guy. I love Peter. Dude, I'm a big time Peter guy because it's like, you know, he had, you know, acts of, you know, like kind of going a little crazy or whatever it may be. You know, he's a very passionate human being. And it's like, you know, he wasn't a clean cut, you know, clean perfect guy, but Jesus still used him. Yeah. You know, like Alice Cooper, dude. Like Just like Alice Cooper. You know, dude, Alice Cooper's Jesus. son, I forget his name, it's something, it's like something cool, like... Only a rock star would name their kid. <laughs> um, his his son is the leader of a Christian band, or I don't know if they're a Christian band or just a band that plays Christian music. You wow. know, like they have both or whatever. Yeah. It's called Co-op. C O O dash O P. I listened to some of their music the other day after that interview because I was like, dude, I'm a new like right. big Alice Cooper fan. I looked up; he's going to be closest he'll be is o- uh, Omaha in August, and I was like, maybe we'll go. Dude, that'd be sweet. And have him on the podcast. Dude, speaking of that, so like in high school, uh, I was really big in like screamo and punk and angst. And obviously I'll get into like how, how I was in high school. Like I just hated the world and everything. And But uh, there's this band called Under Oath. Obviously didn't look into the word Under Oath or anything else like that. But anyway, they're like, you know, big time like screamo, emo band or whatever. And it's like, yeah, punks, you know, angst, you know, that kind of thing. I'd work out to it or run to it or sit in my room and, you know get mad over it or whatever <laughs> but either way i come to figure out you know once i start following christ um aaron gillespie he's the drummer of the band and he's the one who like sings like vocals for it he's like not the screamer because there's a screamer and a vocalist and aaron gillespie uh like now like he's like recording his own like w- like worship music and everything else like that and it's just like man this band that i was listening to whenever like i didn't wasn't following christ and thought that this was like an escape from the world and everything else, like ends up, you know, come to find out like a Christian, like not like singing about Jesus or whatever, but like guys who believed in Jesus, but were making music, you know what I mean? And it's just like how I was so close to it, you know, about the time I wasn't. You know? Yeah. It's crazy. Well, we've been, we've been recording for a little while here, so I think we've got a pretty good uh, intro going, but uh, let's start with Welcome. I am Jared Stonquist, and you're listening to the Almost Home Podcast, my very first 
and one of the most special guests I could have, my friend Gage Lechner here. Gage, say hi. Hi, everybody. Gage, um, Gage has been a huge help to me in my faith, um, and I, I really couldn't pinpoint a time that it just clicked or whatever, but just um, I'll, I'll let him. I'll let him go into how exactly we first met, how we first got to know each other, and then how many, many years later we came around to being each other's lives again. But first, I got a few icebreakers. The first one, if you could have dinner with any historical figure, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Do you want my spiritual answer? or like Any, the, any just, just right now, a genie comes and says, here's your question, tell me. Well, like any man, I would pick Patrick Swayze. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Patrick Swayze, and I would say definitely Peter, like we've already talked about. I yeah. just I relate to either Peter or, gosh, now that I'm thinking about it, it'd be David. 100% David, actually. Really? Yep, I completely changed my answer. I'm sorry, Peter. I'll see you in heaven soon. But David, for sure. <laughs> you know he's the gatekeeper, right? I know, dude. <laughs> Psalms, I read Psalms, and you go from like, you know, he's mad at God. He's like, why is this happening to me? And then at the next moment, you know, he's praising God, praising for everything. And then, you know, he gets to where eventually, you know, like he's just, yeah, God, like I know that I'm going through, you know, a really hard trial right now and whatever it may be, but just how passionate and where his heart's at always, at least, you know, he's going to God for it and God loves that and appreciates him for that and everything. Now, are we still talking about David or are we talking about Patrick Swayze? Both. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> question number two what's your dream vacation my dream vacation oh goodness alright um, I'm sorry Mallory like my dream vacation um, would definitely be like a backpack trip like in Canada um, to do like a spot and stock elk or you know uh, moose or whatever just spot and stock um, you know we're staying you know we're hooking up hammocks and all other stuff and just yes. roughing it. Just yes, surviving off the land. Just that like the be. book Hatchet that we all read in school. Yeah. Gary Paulson? Yeah, dude. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Very good. And for those of you that don't know, Mallory's his wife, and I don't think she's going to go backpacking along <laughs> and, and all that stuff. But So question number three, your favorite scripture? Favorite scripture, um, I would say will always be but who knows what God's going to, you know, he's constantly molding us and changing us. But like what it has been for the last, ever since I started following Christ was First Peter 3.15. Um, and it says, but sanctify and Lord God with all your heart and always be ready to give a defense for those who question the hope that is in you. Um, that has spoke volumes in my life. Um, obviously, we can go with the whole, you know, like for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in him. Um, but like... For me, I guess God has created me to evangelize and to share the gospel. And I was so scared to do that when I first started following Christ because I feel like I didn't grow up in Sunday school or church or whatever. And we'll get into that, like you said. But um, I was always so scared of like not knowing answers that people ask me questions about, like, hey, believe in Jesus. Um, but once I had that verse like recited to me um, by Sean Brydup, um, he... Uh, shout out Sean Brydup. Shout out. <laughs> um, but... It was so big to me because it's like, hey, like, you don't have to have all the answers. But, like, the biggest thing is, like, the hope that is in you. And that was, like, what I've seen God do in my own life, which is my testimony. And from there, I mean, that's where I truly started making, like, you know, this is my purpose, you know, to be here, you know, to share the gospel and stuff. So, 
Very cool. Good answer. I passed. Yeah, you did. We, we will now carry on with the interview. <laughs> um, so I'll let you go from here. Tell tell everyone how we kind of met um, when we first first met and then how, again, we came into each other's lives and then just kind of go from there and tell us how you came to follow Christ and and then play a big part in getting me to follow Christ. Yeah, I mean, this story just between you and I is just a true act of God. I mean, there's, I mean, I think about it all the time just because you're one of my best friends. And it, if you boil it down to like our ages, our, you know, whatever, like our points of life, everything else, like we don't come off like a good fit. But you know what? You know, Jared, we are, you know, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's truly just a true work of just God's divine plan. Um, you were my, you know, you know, my first wrestling coach, um, obviously as a kid, I was big into wrestling. You know, I wanted to wrestle her, John Smith, Oklahoma state. I loved it. Um, was passionate about it, was working hard, you know, everything towards it and stuff. And, um, I always remembered you just, I mean, you did the, the passion cause you would be the guy, you know, like kind of like, you know, you'd grab my shoulders softly. But, but you'd like, dude, like, what are you doing? Like, that kind of thing. <laughs> and, but then, like, the moment, you know, I come back, you know, win that match or whatever, you'd be the first guy to pick me up, you know? And it's like that right there, I mean, spoke volumes to me. Um, but either way, you know, we kind of go through life and stuff. And, um, you know, and I always thought I had a normal childhood. Whenever I was young, you know, innocent, um, oblivious. Um, and... You know, before I say anything, I love my parents. If they are listening, you know, I pray that, you know, like, you know, you could use this, you know, as a, you know, a way, you know, for, you know, you know, to follow, you know, something that is so much greater than any of us will ever be and know that I love you beyond any means. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, my, my parents, you know, have their own struggles just like everybody does. And I would say majority of the world does, you know, just like I did for the first 20, you know, 21 years of my life of not, you know, being rooted in something that is always stable, always good. Um, but yeah, you know, I go throughout, you know, my childhood and stuff. And the moment I started kind of getting into, you know, late middle school, um, I started, you know, kind of realizing things of, you know, things weren't always as great, you know. And um, I was always kind of exposed to anxiety. Um, I was always kind of worried about money because um, my family was always worried about money. Um, and, you know, me kind of, you know, I was having to pay for, a, you know, a lot of stuff, you know, right off the, you know, right off the gate. Um you know, that carries on into freshman year high school. Um, I really wanted to go to the, you know, the homecoming dance. And, you know, we didn't even have $3, you know, for my brother and I to be able to go to the dance. Um, and so that's whenever I kind of took a stance of, like, you know, I need to start providing for me. Like, I need to start, you know, working for me. And and I want, you know, myself to be in control and not to rely on anybody else. And so I, so I start, you know, working for, you know, Scott Dwyer, shout out, and John Newhouse, you know, shout out. Um, and, you know, if I wanted, you know, a car, if I wanted a phone, you know, anything, like, that's what I was, you know, having to, having to work towards. Um, and we kind of carries on, and, you know, my dad, you know, had a lot of, you know, struggles going up, growing up, and then kind of, you know, having to work his tail off to, kind of have, you know, ends meeting to kind of, you know, not make the, how, what is life decisions and stuff like that, or what he was doing after work meet, you know, you know, he's, you know, starting to drink a lot and stuff. And, um, I, he always wanted me to be the best, you know, that it could be, but, you know, and, um, I have a twin brother, Dylan, shout out. 
Um, he, Dylan was, especially at, you know, he was a, you know, parents, you know, like, you know, that, that's what a parent wanted in a way to where he was always home. He's, he's a more of an introverted person to where they always knew where he was at and everything. And I was extrovert, you know, and it was more of uh, just me wanting to, you know, prove myself, wanting to, you know, I had, you know, FOMO, you know, fear of missing out, always wanted to be, you know, part of things and everything else. And um, my dad favored more of my brother just because I was a little bit more like him. And he kind of, you know, come to find out, kind of despised that a little bit. So, so did, um, was your brother, was Dylan, like, cool with the situation? Like, you, you said... You had a drive, not having not having the money to go to the dance and that kind of stuff. It made you, I'm going to get a job because I want to go to the dance. I want to have the money to do it. Was your brother more like, I'm cool with that. I'll just stay home and I'm cool with that. In a sense, yeah. Like, and, and deep down and, you know, like yeah, like now, like, you know, hindsight 2020, I mean, like, like, it's not like he, you know, he wouldn't have gone or whatever, but it's like, you know, he was going through his own demons, his own battles and everything else at the time to where, like, he just liked to recluse in the basement and just... You know, listen to Aaron Gillespie, who we come find out as a Christian guy and everything. But you know, listen, to, you know, his, you know his music and kind of just break away from the world and everything. And me, like I was the same as my brother, but I try to use the worldly things to try to like mask kind of like what I was going through. You know, I you know at the time instead of just being like suppressed to it in, in a way. And if anything, it was kind of like a, a you know, I don't know, like a, a sh you know like a cry for help. I guess you'd say you know like I wanted people to be like oh yeah Cage you know you're awesome I would need just need those words of affirmation because I wasn't getting that at home you know my, my parents which I love them to death you know they had their own issues going on to where it wasn't much of Gage I'm proud of you you know Gage you know good job you know that kind of thing it was Gage why are you doing this we're already stressed out about all this going on why are you not going to do this now and um yeah so I mean that kind of just carried on um you know, into the, you know, the fir first years of high school, um, it, we were watching UFC one night and I always wanted my dad to love me, not in, in selfishly, I wanted him to love me more than Dylan, you know, like I was wanting to be the favorite, you know, and, um, we were watching UFC and my dad was like, you know, they're talking about, you know, there's big old bulky guy and, and he, he was like, oh, he's definitely on steroids, blah, 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 blah. And he was like, it was like 10.30. Like, my mom's already in bed, whatever. It's just, it was the bros. It was the guys. It was guys being dudes. And it was my uh, sophomore year. And my dad was like, hey, you know, would you ever take steroids? And, of course, I'm like, well, duh. You know, yeah, of course. You know, I just wanted to be cool or whatever. And, you know, you know, flash forward a couple of days. Um... About the same time, you know, my dad would always come home late from work and stuff. Well, work. And he, uh, you know, came in. He's a little half lit. And he had a Walmart sack. And he's like, hey, son, you know, you ready to be a champion? And I remember, like, my heart just dropping. I was like, what do you mean? And he pulls out, you know, the syringes and everything. He's like, I got the steroids. And this, this was because right now you're... You're a pretty competitive wrestler, like as far as yeah. so like yeah. your sophomore year. You're are you a ranked wrestler at this time? Like you're on yeah, that yeah. level. I, I mean, KP, shout out to him. I mean, he was in, in fully invested in us and was pushing for us. It all started with Andy Wright, 
Um, and then passing it out to KP, like, you know, like he... As your wrestling coaches? Yeah, yeah, like he, you know, saw a lot it just in, in our squad that we had in our class and was one, you know, like he saw something big happening and stuff. And so me, like, you know, at this time, like, I'm already having anxious, you know, anxious anxieties and everything else like that. And, you know, to flashback, you know, the year before that, you know, if I'd lose one match, I mean, my dad would leave. And I still would have, like, a whole bracket to go and everything. But I remember losing a Mason Turner from, you know, from Ottawa, now wrestling at Fort Hayes. And I know you probably listen to this podcast. Shout <laughs> out Mason. Uh, but I, he, absolute stud of wrestler. And I faced him in, in, in a second round um, at, Pi- at a Piper tournament. And... And and losing to him, I lost him like seven to two, and I but I, I just felt so much pressure when that match, you know, because my dad was there, and you know he told me he's like, "This is your day. You're gonna do it. You're gonna make us proud." And it was that proud moment of like, it was he was he'd only be proud if I blew in. And I remember losing that match, and my dad leaving the tournament, and I still had like the full backside to go. You know, I could still you know get third, whatever, maybe whatever, like, and him leaving, and tore like I. I'd, I was always trying to fight to be better, you know, to, to, you know, to get that approval, to get, you know, he'd always say, if you guys play, you know, like if you, if you guys were to do this, you know, be an all American, whatever, I'd get your tattoo on my back. And I always wanted to have that, you know, my name tattooed on his back and stuff. So I was just constantly fighting for that approval, fighting to, you know, have him be, you know, proud of me. Um, so yeah, he's, you know, I got to the point of steroids and at this point, I'm not wrestling for myself. I'm wrestling for approval for others. And anybody knows, any good wrestler knows, if you're not out there for you and and, and you to win, you know, because when you're out on that mat, I mean, yeah, like, you know, God is our creator. He is everything, you know, and everything else, you know, like he created us. But it's like, it's just you and, and, and uh, you know, another guy who has the same amount of bones as you, unless you're Anthony Robles. <laughs> and... <laughs> And you're, you know, like, you know, you're competing, like, who's, you know, who's the best? It's fun when it's like that. But whenever you're wrestling with, you know, a bunch of people on your back, you know, like, you're going to, you're going to be the worst wrestler every time. Sure. You need to be, you know, you know, float like a butterfly, sing like a bee, you know? And I wasn't doing that. So, yeah, whenever he brought steroids and stuff, but it really hit me that night whenever he, you know, he brought them out. I was like, I can't, you know, like, oh my gosh. But it hit me towards like, maybe this would get him to, you know. To, I knew he loved me, but like to say he loves me and, and be, you know, proving me. And yeah, and I did that night, you know, he did it and, you know, didn't do it the right way. I ended up passing out and woke up, you know, that night to a text, you know, saying he was proud of me, you know, good job, stud. And from then on, you know, I was addicted to the steroids out of high school, you know, and it was, you know, something I could use to escape um, along and chasing with other drugs and stuff. and so you were you were sixteen years old, and 15, yeah. fifteen years old, and your your dad injected you yes. with the steroids. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Wow. With a with a draw needle, not the puncture needle. So like a draw needle is a lot thicker, like to where you're able to draw out the fluid easier. Yeah. Um, and then you transfer the draw needle to the puncture needle, and which is a lot smaller. Yes. So it doesn't hurt as bad. Yes, and he but he did know that if you stabbed it in, you. Pulled it, you know, pulled up the syringe. If you saw blood, like that means you had to reinsert and stuff because you could be in a vein or something. You don't want to inject into your, you know, your blood vessels and stuff. And so we kept having to pull in, pull up, pull in, pull out. You know, like just. And I looked back and saw my, you know, my butt cheek covered in blood, and I just passed out cold. Woke wow. up in a soaked bed of sweat, and yeah, like it, 
it, it wasn't good. But yeah, yeah, from then on, I mean, it was on and off. My brother and I were saving up, you know, you know at the time, you know, we got ho hooked up with the actual main source of the steroids, and we'd be saving up 300 bucks and to, you know, buy the cycle and stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, it just well, it wasn't good. But it was, it was an escape for us being in, you know, in, in the weight room at 2 a.m., you know, to, yeah, it's, wow. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, it is. Um, but, you know, that, that's life. You know, people have gone through worse than mine, you know. Sure. But. That doesn't make it okay, though. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. I mean. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, from there, you know, yeah, you know, the, the you know, the stress of, you know, his life, um, which, you know, he had a lot of, a lot of stuff on his chest and on his back and, you know, just. You know, demons, honestly, truly, um, you know, just constantly acting out with the tachyum and everything else. And his drinking got worse. Um, I remember, you know, it was February 11th. It was 2015. Um, flashback just a little bit before that. Uh, my now wife, uh, I was a total, you know, I it was chasing girls, drugs, alcohol, whatever I could get my hands on to you know, so, you know, suppress, you know, all those things I was going through, um, and, you know, it all started, words of friends was huge at that time, and, uh, one of my sister's best friends, you know, like, you know, we started playing against each other stuff, and we were just, you know, you know started with just a quick, you know, message back or whatever, just like, ah, uh, you know, you cheated or whatever, and then it got all of a sudden, like, super fast of just, like, me venting all my problems to her, and, she was 14 at the time, like, and I was 16, and, you know, I'd been with, you know, quite a few girls at the time, and, you know, she was a kind of a late bloomer in a way and everything, so where it didn't start off as, like, a, you know, a physical, you know, attraction, I mean, she was still really pretty, but, you know, she, she was young, but she was so wise in the mind already, so we, we talked together for, like, you know, it was six months in secrecy, so my, my sister didn't find out and kill us both, <laughs> Yeah, but she was just somebody I could just talk to. And, um, finally, you know, in, in January, you know, January 31st, I, or January 30th of 2015, I asked her, you know, to, you know, to be my girlfriend and it started a lot of uproar and everything, but, um, your sister was pretty mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> she was, but bless her heart. She truly has a softest heart. Uh, as always, you know, she's the only person in my whole entire family that believed in Jesus and served Jesus and everything. Thank, thankfully to her, you know, testimony of, you know, getting, you know, brought in by, a, you know, a, a, one of her friend's parents and going to church ever since she was young and stuff. But, so she, she forgave us pretty quick. But, um, yeah, so January 30th of 2015, you know, I started dating Mallory. And, you know, in order for me to be able to date Brett and Annette Osborne's daughter, I had to go to church. And I remember going to Curtis's church for the first time, you know, that, that you know, early February and just, message sailing over my head. I was like, if God's so good, why does my life suck? You know, right. granted, yeah, I have a good I have a good girlfriend and everything, but life still sucks. You know, I couldn't it was really hard for me to find joys and stuff. Come home from a wrestling practice, it was uh February fifteenth, um, of twenty fifteen and all all my brother and I come in on our clapped out nineteen eighty seven Volvo and walk in the house and all of our bags are packed. Everything's in boxes. My mom's crying. My dad's on the back porch, you know, getting, you know, torn up. And, you know, she says, hey, you know, we, 
we lost a house, you know, we had to move into grandparents. And me at the time, I was just like, man, you know, what's next? Whatever, you know, move in there. Things started getting, you know, pretty ugly pretty fast, you know, between my parents and stuff. And I just couldn't take anymore. And, you know, what at the time, you know, they said, you know, I sissed out or whatever, but I went and just started living in, you know, buddies' basements and stuff. And, you know, it was at that point where I had already been paying for all my own stuff at the time. So I was like, you know, I can support myself and everything. But you get the things like food and everything else that at that point, like, I was having to work towards, you know, and everything to where wrestling just was on the back burner at that point. It, it truly was. And, um, yeah, like, in that carried on throughout high school. Um, and, you know, I knew immediately, like, you know, I wanted to get away from everything. I wanted to be a construction engineer. I wanted to own my own construction business. Um, I was, you know, thankfully blessed to, you know, be really good at math and just test taking in general because I've thankfully have a photographic memory and went, went to K-State, um, was pulling out loans after loans after loans, putting myself in crazy debt and I just couldn't fathom just being in that much debt um, and but came back winter break, um, you know, of course had to go to church with, you know, the future in-laws and uh, a lady that my mother-in-law was really close with that I was at the church was like, hey, my husband's seen help in the oil fields. I would Gage be able to work over winter break? And she's like, oh, definitely. And so I did that. Um, and I just knew I was going to do that once I came back for, for summer. And I was able to learn the trade really well and get to where I was completely managing leases and being able to hire buddies to work, you know, like as my uh, roughnecks is what they call it in the oil fields. And I just fell in love with it. And also, like, even though I was only making 18 an hour, I mean, I felt like I was a baller, you know? <laughs> like, I mean, I'm just, you know, on top of the world. And um, so I decided before coming back for that fall semester, I was like, I'm just going to stay. I, you know, I just, I felt in my gut. I was like, I'm just going to stay. Couldn't really explain it at the time, but I just felt like I need to stay. And so I did. Um, that, that, that carries on. Um get even worse now that I have money, you know, with drugs, um, alcohol, you know, me and the roommates at the time, like it's me, especially one, every night would be a 30 pack of bush light every single night that, you know, like we'd be able to go through, you know, we, we were drinking through the day on the job, everything. Um, just anything, you know, I could do to just get that buzz, just be happy. Um, and be happy to see, you know, the girl that, I, I knew from the moment I was with her at the beginning, I knew didn't you know she didn't deserve me, you know, or you didn't deserve her. Yes, hundred yeah. percent, dude. Yeah, let's crop that out. <laughs> yes, no, we'll edit that. Yes, no, like she tr- truly though, like she, like no, like she didn't deserve me because like I was horrible. Yeah, you know, like like, like she deserves somebody who's so much better. You know, somebody who is as honestly as I was like she's uh, before me. She she only like had like chicken pecked like two people like you know <laughs> me I, I had you know lived you know the whole impure lifestyle and done everything and you know and with her is like you know she was just such a pure like perfect in my mind like perfect human being and it's like the fact that she loved me and cared about me it was like I, I just couldn't explain it like why like I'm doing all of these things especially things behind your back 
and like you're such a good person like I don't get it um and I carried on and gosh I you know you know got to live in a, an amazing log cabin house I had a big lifted truck you know I was actually you know making money you know I had all these things that I'd stressed about my whole entire life of like having money okay check now it's like all right what's next that I can be anxious about all right now it's like having like a, a sweet truck check okay why can I still not sleep at night um maybe it's because you know whatever maybe whatever title or, or, or thing that I could fit under or whatever you know or didn't have you know enough like wasn't going to big you know all the cool parties or whatever okay now doing that check like well, like well you know what else and I was just constantly putting myself trying to fill this empty void and so I threw a huge New Year's Eve party um you know, it was uh, December of uh, 2018. I mean, yeah, yeah, December 31st of 2018. Um, and just before that, my uh, Dennis Kickler, um, he had asked, I was hanging out with one of the boys who I, you know, stayed over at his house for a while. And so he, he kind of tried to, you know, figure out what kind of guy I was and everything. He asked me if I could haul the trailer for him, and I did. And he asked me if I never ever came to know Jesus Christ as, you know, as my Lord and Savior. And at the time, I mean, I had, you know, I had all these things, but I still just hated my life. And I was like, what, you know, what's it going to hurt? So I, I, you know, said the prayer with him, whatever. He said, you know, the, you know. Just kind of going through the motions at the time, 100%. like like just to appease Dennis. Yeah, 100%. And, but also there's a little bit of hope that, uh, you know, kind of like one of those things, like, you know, whenever you buy a lottery ticket, like. Maybe I'll be right, a millionaire, right. you know? And so I did that. I think a lot of people around this town have that same yeah. experience with Dennis. Yeah. Because he's that guy. 100% that guy, man. That guy is annoyed, dude. Like, it's Dennis Kepler, man. Like, he's, a, he's a future uh, guest on the show. <laughs> yeah. He, I've talked to I love that man. Oh, I cannot wait for that episode. Uh, but yeah, so I hauled a chair for him. This is October, uh, October 10th of 2018. Um, and we say the prayer right there in his driveway after I hauled that trailer for him. And I, you know, you know, kind of gives me, you know, some, you know, some tips and stuff of getting the word and all that stuff. So I truly did. Like I, I did try to do that kind of stuff. Um, I just didn't know where to start in the Bible. I mean, I didn't know anything about the Bible. Um, but I was trying, um, flash forward, you know, uh, it was October 13th, uh, Mallory, um, and my boy Anthony Geist were just watching a Halloween movie um, at my old house, and uh, I'm getting a call from you know my dad's girlfriend at the time saying that you know he was sending her you know funny things and stuff, and that I really needed to go you know, check on him, and so I ended up you know doing that. I, I knew I gave him a call, and he kept saying you know don't bring the cops, don't bring the cops, and so I told him don't worry, Dad. It's just me. You have nothing to worry about. And got there to where, you know, he's working at the time. Um, obviously, nobody was there. It's tough as Corey. And uh, he had, you know, rigged up and, you know, a hose from his exhaust pipe into, into the cab of his car. And, you know, was, you know, trying to do the carbon monoxide trick and stuff. And um, he had a, a gun in, in his car just in case cops showed up or whatever. He's going to end it there. Um, but by the time I got there, I might as well have been, you know, officer... Greg or whatever, and 
so you keep that you know as a cop and you know try to you know do it and somehow that was the first point that God took a hold of me the Holy Spirit truly filled me and it's something that I still can't make sense of because it's truly supernatural and I was able he's you know He's a lot bigger than I am. Dent's a big dude, yeah. yeah. Solid. Not solid. not tall, solid. Just, yeah, dense. very much so. Yeah, and I was able to, you know, somehow get the, you know, the gun away and pull him out of his car and everything and, um, get, you know, got him, you know, the help that he needed at the time. Um, and that's when I knew, I was like, all right, you know, I really need to start, like, this is real. Like, I couldn't explain it when I got back home. I couldn't explain to, you know, to, you know, Mallory, my girlfriend at the time, now my wife. And Anthony and stuff, and um, but either way, I carry on. You know the, those, you know, next, you know, two, you know, two and a half months, and start thinking that, you know, uh, you know, I'm doing good enough. You know, I go to you know, church every here and there. You know, I'm trying to get into the Word, but you know, I'm still coming home every night, anxious, stressed, everything, and pounding five bush lights right when I got home. Maybe one, two, three, four, five. At that point, whenever Mallory got home from work, I could be a good, a good boyfriend. I was chill, even killed. You know, we always have people come over to the house, just walking into the front door. I could be the, you know, the guy, you know, like the Godfather is what they called me. <laughs> they did, <laughs> and uh, I, you know, I, I, you know, I could be that life of the party. And um, it was December, you know, thirty first. We were having a New Year's Eve party, and and this was, you know, just a few months after that, so twenty eighteen, and uh, we had dang near a hundred people. Like at our, you know, at this house, and majority, I would say, ninety eight percent of them are underage. All you know, like, you know, looking up to me, and uh, Seth brought up, which all the story, you know, like the high school stories of me being crazy and everything else like that. Nine times out of ten, I was with him. Like him and I were doing all the craziest stuff together. Uh, he had gone to Emporia. I went to K State. We'd still link up, party, and everything else like that. But then he ended up transferring to K State right when I left. Because I was, you know, because I was at K-State, but I had to leave. And he ended up coming to know, you know, he ended up you know, coming to know Jesus there and got hooked up in this discipleship program um, called Stumo. And he had uh, came to the party because I invited him. And he was just like an Ace Ventura looking dude, like just, you know, moving around like a, just a silly goose, honestly. And just had, but still having a good time. But, you know, with a water bottle in his hand, just, you know, just, you know, not, you know, getting hammered, doing a kickstand or anything. And he comes up to me and he's like, hey, Gage, you know, I heard you, you know, came to know, you know, G- Jesus Christ, you know, through Dennis. Um, how's your walk going? And honestly, the room just went slow-mo, like. And I just saw, like, all these kids, you know, like, truly kids that were looking up to me, like, you know, indulging in drinking and doing, you know, just things that are just going to just set you back in life completely. And how, like, just how could God think of me, you know, like, as, as his son, as his chosen son, you know, as somebody that he is entrusted, you know, to share his word and, and, and to make disciples and everything. Look at what I'm doing. Like, I'm just honestly, like, just giving them the free pass to hell. Like, that's all I am doing. Like, I'm just opening the door to, to the white path, that the white destructive path, you know, you know, that they talk about in, you know, that in Matthew chapter 7, rather than, hey, like, here's a hard, narrow path, you know, and this, these are the things that you need to do to do that. And I went outside. It was 1130, and I cried, and I puked. 
and I was in bed, you know, before even, you know, the new year. And I woke up, you know, January 1st, 2019 and knew like, you know, I'm separating myself away from all that. Like I'm done completely, you know, and I completely, you know, I lost a lot of friends with that. Um, you know, everybody thought I was weird, you know, even my own family like that. Like truly like, you know, like I get yelled at because I was doing a Daniel fast. You know, just stuff like that, stuff that I, you know, I'm trying to test myself my own faith and stuff. Like, I get, you know, banished or called, you know, weirdo or whatever. Um, so it was really hard at first, but I knew, you know, like, I just knew that, hey, like, th this is real. And if I'm truly going to suffer like Jesus called me to for him and knowing what my etern the eternal goal is and what he has for me, like, I need to fully, like, give him not just... 70% of myself like I need to give the full 100% of myself um, I need to look different because um, I don't want anybody else like making the same mistakes I did and putting yourself even more in a bigger hole like I want to be somebody that you know like God's gonna honor of like hey like this is the, you know like what we're supposed to do like I need to look different but yeah and then from there Seth he was a junior in college you know like going to be, you know, he's probably the best major in the world that I didn't even think of, but hunting and wildlife management. He wanted to be a game, you know, like, you know, good to do a big wild game, you know, whether it be New Mexico or Montana or whatever. Just seriously, like, the classes he's taking and stuff like that, I was so envious of it. But decided that he felt God called him back, like, here, you know. And, you know, he, he may not admit it or whatever, but God used it. But, you know, he discipled me, and that's what I needed with the, you know, being discipled. Uh, and the, the two of you, at, at what part in the story did the two of you start the, the young and free? Is that, which is the, the youth ministry through our church? Yeah. That's, that's right after Seth was like, nah, man, this is the way, this is where you're supposed to be, not there partying doing that. Yeah. So we did, so, well, he moved back and just ended up moving into my house because my house was way too big for just me and one other guy in it. And that's where, I mean, some of the best times of my life. I mean, being able to follow Jesus, but then also realizing that, oh, wow, like, just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean, like, your life just is boring and bland and anything. It's like, we were still just having the time of our lives you know we just we had that line you know like you know and obviously like especially with my dad you know my dad and being an alcoholic and everything else like that like I took a complete year you know like year off completely any alcohol like nothing and, you know like now you know yeah like I'll have a beer every once in a while like with my wife and you know up up in the city you know up in the city you know at some restaurant or whatever you know or whatever it may be but like I took a complete year off just to completely like figure myself out and not want to rely on something, like, in order, like, to have a good time or whatever. But Seth was able to show me, like, you know, a lot of those kind of things and being able to still be, cra you know, crazy guys or whatever, you know, just, you know, go high, you know, crazy heights, jump off, a, you know, a bridge into a lake or, you know, that kind of stuff that I still love, adrenaline and everything. Um, but then also being able to, what you know, learning how to be obedient to God. Um, learning, you know, like, the obedience will, like, you know, the whole point of, you know, pray, you know, getting a proper time out of prayer, getting in his word, fellowship, and being able to, you know, to witness and share the gospel and making sure like around those times, you know, like you're putting enough effort into all those four things in order for you to have that good, stable wheel. 
Um, and from there, um, we started going to the Living Proof Church. Um, and as Curtis, you know, and Kyle and all of them say, you know, at the time, you know, Wolzel Family Worship Center, you know, it was a really small congregation. I'm, you know, more just people that have been going there for a long time and stuff. Um, and then uh, Kyle and Zach, uh, Pastor Curtis's sons, came, you know, came back to the church and they had a game plan, you know, to, you know, a revival, pretty much. Essentially, that's what it was, a revival, you know, for the church, for this town. And I get a, 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 a text from Kyle. Um, I said this working the oil fields with me at the time. And uh, oil fields crashed during COVID. So we started just doing some projects, you know, for we were just posting on Facebook, just like, hey, if you guys, if you need anything done, you know, we'll do it. Kyle Wright was our first ever customer. And that was May 15th, I believe, of 20, it was like 2020. And uh, so we did the project as a like, you know, a landscape paper project. And from there, you know, Kyle's like, hey, you know, we should meet up for, you know, coffee, you know, that's just some morning this week. And we're like, yeah, sure, you know, why not? And so Kyle and Zach came over to our house and we all went out to the pond and on the dock and we were just talking and stuff. So then I got to share, you know, our testimonies to them and stuff. And then they just brought up, you know, the game plan. Like, this is what, you know, like, you know, like what we have in store, like, you know, for like what we're trying to do with Wilson Family Worship Center at the time, but now Family Church. And they were, you know, really wanting to use us. And, you know, mainly for, you know, the young adults, you know, that are around here and everything. And so we were like, all right, you know, like we were thinking about it. Well, then, you know, the next week, you know, all of a sudden, you know, they were wanting to have some work done at, the, you know, the church. So Seth and I were like, okay, yeah, we'll just work in the church. And Seth and I were just sitting there, we were hanging these uh, these uh, acoustic panels. And Seth and I just looked at each other, literally, like, simultaneously. And we're just like, man, this just feels right. Like, this is what we've always wanted in a church in this town. And that's not so focused on inside the walls like a country club. But, like, focus on the lost and reaching the lost. And, you know, like, who cares if you have tattoos or a green mohawk or, like, Nickelback or whatever, <laughs> you know? But, like, hey, like, we care, you know, like, there's no such thing as a perfect person other than Jesus himself. Like, you know, like, we just want to love on you and just to show you, like, what the gospel is. And so Seth and I were like, all right, we're doing it. So we, we can, you know, can committed to that. And started going there, and you know they're kind of you know egging us on to like because they knew at Living Proof Church in Paola, shout out, they're awesome. Uh, that we were kind of doing a you know a, a young adult group there. Um, but however, with him and I not having any you know affiliation growing up in Paola and stuff is kind of hard. Um, but they knew like a lot of people that kind of looked up to us, you know, and and well just with us going there. And so we kick started it, and God just took the reins from there. It was insane. It really was, and still is. So, it, in the span of what a year, you went from hosting a giant underage party at your house hey, easy, to easy. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not saying it's a negative thing. This is just the way God worked in your life. Yeah. To within a year, you're hosting just as many, if not more, kids at your house, and you and Seth are discipling to them. Yeah. 
So <laughs> these kids, and I've seen the pictures and I've heard the stories. These kids are having a blast. They're out there like having a great time. You guys, I was out there when you put up the giant uh, zip line and all that <laughs> Dude, stuff. Yeah. Like you did all these things for these kids. Yeah. That I, I say kids, you were still a kid back then, basically still early man. 20s. Yeah. yeah. So in less than a year, God changed your life a complete 180 like that. And that's just insane. Absolutely. It doesn't make sense, you know? Um, yeah, but I will say at this time, I still had my doubts. I still did. Sure. Um, God was doing all these miraculous things, not only through me, but around me. And still some things that were having doubts. Um, it wasn't until uh, Mallory's grandpa, um, who was literally, I mean, the most faithful, like, loving, um, he, at the time, you know, wasn't, I didn't really have, like, what would I call family at the time, just because I was kind of pushing them all away, vice versa, it just kind of wants to, you know, of distance, um, took, took me in as one of their own, like, I was their grandkid, um, and obviously big-time believers, you know, full-heartedly were, you know, living for Jesus, and he got diagnosed with ALS, and which, if you don't know, is a disease that literally your body, you know, crumbles, you know, in front of you. Like, I mean, it's just a horrific disease. Um, and, however, even though everybody around him was so, like, sad or sorry or, you know, giving him pity or whatever, he was like, look, he's like, I know where I'm going. Like, guys, don't worry about me. He was so much worried about everybody else that were around him. And that, like... And I'm trying to get emotional here because it's like that was huge for me. Like being able to see a guy who was literally dying, like, and we're all dying. Everybody can say that slowly. Like you listen, to, you know, watch Vision Quest, the wrestling movie, and it's like you know, yeah, we're all dying. We're like, we're, we're, you know, we are like leaves. You know, when leaves turn brown, you know, like they, you know, like you know, like you know, you're dying each and every day. And but he was so confident where he was going. You could say you're a Christian, but when you have a gun. That, you know, loaded gun at your face saying, if you're a Christian, like, I'm going to shoot you if you say you believe in Jesus. Like, that's the testing of faith, you know? And That's what goes all goes along all over the Middle East and Africa exactly. on a daily basis. Exactly. And it's like, and I never thought about, like, okay, how big is my faith, you know? And watching him, like, go through that, but still, you know, like, love on everybody else and be so much more worried about everybody else, um... Gosh, it spoke volumes to me, and how he always, always said he loved me, and I didn't really hear that, you know, from my own family at the time, you know. But being able to hear that, like from him, who I'm just his granddaughter's boyfriend, which most granddaughters probably have fifty-two boyfriends, <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, it was unbelievable. And either way, we're coming back from the Living Proof Church at the time, and. Uh, Molly and I both have our own things planned and stuff, but I just felt, I was like, honey, I feel like we should go, you know, see, you know, her grandpa. He was still, you know, like, you know, he could have, you know, like, it was like a month or so to live or whatever. And Molly's like, you know, I was thinking the same thing too. So we dropped all our plans and went to go see him. And, um, I knew, like, I had never prayed over anybody at the time. Nobody. I was like, I, I don't know enough, you know? me praying, get out of here, dude. Like, I'll pray by myself, but I probably sound like a dummy, you know, like, playing with crowns or something. <laughs> but, uh, I knew God, like, God was putting in my heart, like, giving that gut nudge that I needed to do this. And 
so we went there, you know, some other family was there, um, and everybody was just on, out in the living room while, you know, John, her grandpa was, you know, in, in the, in the bedroom, um, just laying down stuff and everybody, you know, was just kind of just trot, you know, talking, trying to make, you know, the atmosphere a little bit you know, brighter and stuff. And I knew I was like, I need to go back there. I need to go back there. I need to ask Nancy if I can go back there. And finally, my eyes are, right, get you ready. And so we were going to walk out and leave. And the Holy Spirit literally just grabbed me by my vertebrae and shook me around. It was like, Nancy, and I just looked down. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this. I was like, can I just pray over you and John? And she got like silent for a second. And she's like, yes, absolutely. And we walked back there. You know, I got to see him at this time, you know, he, he could hear, but he couldn't open his eyes and couldn't talk. And I just sat there and just thanked him for, you know, treating me like family and always loving me whenever, and I told him, I was like, I needed that more than you could think. I mean, I have like nothing and was wanting to, you know, suicide was always a comfort of mine, but knowing that like there were some people, very few people that like were vocal about loving me and caring for me. Um, like, thank you for that. And, you know, he's just started, you know, you can see his throat, you know, tighten up and everything. And to where, you know, he's trying to, you know, you could tell he acknowledged that. And I just broke down completely and told Nancy, you know, like, can I pray over you guys now? And I did. I don't remember what I said. It was just, it was all a blur of a moment. It was probably the best prayer I ever said. I hope and so. And you forgot the whole thing. Uh, yeah. Patrick Swayze would be proud. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I, I prayed over them, you know, give them, you know, both a hug. And, you know, we left. And that morning, you know, got the call that he had passed away. Wow. So if I didn't do that, like, too. I'm a person where it's like, if I do something wrong, which I've done a lot of wrong, like, those are things that keep me up at night. Like, that are just like, you know, that the enemy uses. Oh, man, I couldn't imagine, like, how much the enemy would use that if I wasn't obedient to that. Um, but I was. And then that, thankful for that I was. Um, but either way, I spent that whole day. Um, Mallory went and, and went, went over to cover, you know, her grandma and stuff. And obviously, I had to go to work. Um, but I spent the whole day praying. And I kept seeing past the cross. And I kept seeing, you know, her, you know, her, you know, Papa, you know, Papa, was, was it, Pops is what I recalled him, and, you know, kept seeing him, you know, walking with Jesus, and I kept seeing him so vivid, where he had this, he always wore Life is Good shirts, and I don't know if you know or are familiar with these viewers or listeners, uh, they're just shirts that say Life is Good, and it has, like, some tacky, like, thing on it, like, like, this specific one had a bike on it, it was a bicycle. And it said, life is good on it. There's nobody on the bicycle. There's just a bicycle. Like, <laughs> it, it just, it cracked me up. It's just like, it was like, what, you know, a, a tacky shirt, which I'm wearing the tackiest of all shirts right now. So, you know, it obviously, you know, I'm turning into that. But um, I kept seeing, past, you know, Pastor Cross kept seeing him with Jesus. You know, we'll, you know, we'll walk in, you know, on the, on the street, streets gold, like truly heaven. Um, and that brought me to such a peace like that. I've never at that point had seen such a vivid, scene whenever I was praying like that was the first time I got that vivid scene of pass across and seeing that and so I came home so excited like to tell Mallory this like I had prayed multiple times and I kept seeing that like tore like you know I thought it would comfort her of like knowing like this has to be real because I've never pictured anything 
And so I'm, I get home and Mallory get, gets home from her grandma's and I'm, and I'm t- telling her this and she just breaks down and starts crying. I'm like, oh gosh, like I thought, you know, this would be, you know, like comforting and everything else. And she pulls out of a Walmart sack and she pulled up that shirt. Which is crazy. The bicycle <laughs> life is good shirt. Yeah. Like, and we still have that shirt framed. But sorry, guys, I'm trying to get emotional about that. But it was just insane. Honestly, insane. You you need that tattoo. I need the it. bicycle. <laughs> and but life I got it good. on my chest. <laughs> I you know what? I've never done a tattoo before, and I'm not a very good artist. But I'll do yeah. that for you. You're the main right? <laughs> Yeah, let's get this kick 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 back into how we realigned, you know. Yeah, which is just crazy to me. Through once again through wrestling again. Yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, which I'm thankful I got asked from the high school. You know, the year that you know I started following Christ, not the year before that, because that probably would have been bad news bears. But (laughs) but yeah, so I, I get a call from KP. I'm literally in my tree stand deer hunting, and it's like. I want to say, yeah, so it was, it was in September, and I pick up the phone, I'm being kind of quiet, just because I'm like, it was KP, so I, you know, he's a Wells legend, like, I gotta pick up the phone, you know, I'm deer hunting, and so I pick the phone, and he's like, hey, he's like, I'm just curious if you want to come in for an interview to be a, you know, a, my assistant wrestling coach, and I was like, oh my gosh, and I was like, you know, my name's not on the wall, you know, I'm not a state placer. You know, sadly, you know, it was all, be, you know, you know, all because, you know, like, I was not wrestling for myself. I didn't even care about it in high school and stuff after having to, you know, go through all that I went through. But I I was like, man, what would qualify me for that? But something, once again, I got dang, and I truly knew it was God telling me, you know, like, to, to do it. Like, the high school, you know, like, you know, the kids, well, the kids are, like, you know, and involved with now and what's at the grasp of their fingers and stuff like what kind of influence I could now be kind of like to redeem myself in a way and and so I did the interview and immediately you know got the job and um Jared at the time was the middle school coach well I I interviewed the same day I interviewed for the middle school coach so the same day you interviewed for the uh high school assistant coach Oh my gosh! Yeah, both both spots were open. The guy who was doing that left. Both spots were open. Yeah, but I couldn't do both. You couldn't do both. Yeah, it didn't work out with our right schedules. Oh, for you're right. Reason. Yeah, you're right. We did an arm wrestling match to so see you could do high school. I thought it was leg wrestling, but that's uh, yeah. it, was, there. it was forty years ago. It was Vietnam. <laughs> we were more worried about other things. Forty years ago, what? Vietnam. <laughs> we'll edit that. You're out. right, though. Now, now that I remember that, yeah, yeah. that's crazy. Uh, but yeah, so we kind of started talking to each other a little bit more. Um, and then from there, uh, I knew Jared, you know, which I kind of want, you know, from here, I kind of want you to like explain the beginning parts because I, and I'll go from bit off of that. Well, I know. So middle school wrestling season is before high school season and it's, and it's short. It's very short. So I'd, I'd coach middle school and then I would come in from time to time to the high school practices when I could just come in, kind of come in and watch, um, go to the wrestling tournaments and stuff now and again when I could, just to, just to kind of be a fan. And it always blew me away that you were not preaching to these kids, not like the right. crazy Bible thumper on the on the corner yelling repent, <laughs> but just, just like anytime you're talking to somebody – 
there was something spe- special about what you were saying or or whatever. And it was just, it could easily be seen. And so I kind of started listening and stuff, and I was like, well, I better... I better watch what I say around Gage because I don't want I'm I'm a bad cusser and I don't want to I don't want to cuss in front of him. And then I don't know, just kind of from there we started, you know, got phone numbers and yeah. always talked about going hunting and we've rarely done it, but we have. Um, you keep then, skipping out on it, right? <laughs> so I know the first time, like, you know, we seen each other around that kind of thing. And then the church my wife and I were going to at the time, uh, something came up that I, I, I didn't care for. Like they were super hyper focused on one thing. That to me, I was like, "Well, a sin is a sin." Right. And if there was somebody who was committing this sin that just happened to be in the uh, in the congregation that day, that's going to turn them away from God altogether. Right. They were just just beating this one thing down. And to me, that's not right. That's a sin's a sin. I don't yeah. care what it is. A sin's a sin. That's what the Bible says. And so I, I, we left church that day. As soon as I got home, I called you, mm-hmm. and was like, "Dude, what is the, what is this? What is like? What am I missing here?" Because I didn't know the word at the time. I went to church, but I didn't Bible study. I didn't, um, I didn't read it on my in my own time or anything like that. So I just called you, and I was like, "What is this all about? Like, what? Why are they doing this? You know." Why are they so hardcore against this certain sect of people? And you kind of told me where, you know, what the scripture says. And at the time, I even disagreed with you. Like, I don't think that's what it is. I don't think that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And uh, you said, well, come to our church. Come to church where we're at. And I think from there, kind of the rest is history, really. Right. Started coming to church, and that's been two, three years, maybe. Yeah. And, Yeah. And here we are. Here we are. Look at us now. Who would have thought? Yeah. You know? Yeah. We're just like superstars in the podcast yeah. world. I mean, we're traveling the world all the way to Oklahoma. Yeah, we yeah. did. Yeah. We did. We went and watched some, uh, some Oklahoma State wrestling. Shout yeah. out Cowboys. And which, by the way, Ethan Dean was like, where are you, me and Stoney, you know, going this you know, upcoming year? And I was like, Carver Arena. <laughs> uh, I, I recently shared my testimony on a, on a Wednesday morning Bible study called um, called Family Guy that Gage leaves, leads. And he shared his testimony and then they said, hey Jared, do you want to share yours next week? And I've never, like I've talked about it some and I did a kind of a short video interview with the church mm-hmm. but I've never really like sat down and laid everything out there like that and it was pretty it was pretty unnerving but it felt good at the same time. Well, real and, fast. Like, it started with me sharing mine, and then everybody was like, oh, no, like, I had to follow that. And I was like, all right, let's let Jared Stonequist, <laughs> Stoning, you know, do, do next week. Because I knew immediately, I was like, oh, yeah, he's going to top mine completely. Yeah, that's not something to, to be proud of, but. Hey, you know, it just it shows more of God's grace and more, you know, like I said, like, just the true, I don't know, like, the. What he truly does, like, you know, Second Corinthians you know, 5.17, like, we are truly, you know, like, the old is gone, the new is here. Like, he truly transforms us. Like, there's a true transforming of your heart. Um, something that I cannot even describe. It's just like marriage. Molly and I have been married for seven and a half years before we got married. Only thing I thought that would change with marriage was the fact that I would get 
obviously to sleep with her. And then that, you know, you get to wake up next to each other every single morning. Other than that, I was like, man, I'm just going to change. Truly, that night, there's a transformation that takes place. He truly unites you into one. The way I wake up each and every morning, like, it's not only, yeah, like, I would say I was working for our future and everything while we were engaged and stuff. But, like, truly, now it's like, I'm working for her. Like, I, I, you know, I'm not only for God, but for her. I'm working for our future kids. Like, everything's so much better. Hold on, hold on. You say future kids, like, that's way off in the distance, but that's... 24 hours. 24 <laughs> hours away. Yeah. Yeah. Child Gosh. number one, little baby girl is going to be here tomorrow, right? Yeah. That's pretty awesome. I know. I still feel like I'm 16 years old. But. And I still don't understand how you're going to name a girl after Jared Paul Stonequist. I don't know where you're going to get it, but Dude, I'll just see how creative you are. It'll be Greek. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so kind of back on to reel this back in a little bit, where, where is your family and their faith? Like you've been, you've been in your faith and you've given yourself to God and been saved for the past probably three years or so, um, is when it's really taken hold. Where's your family in this? You have two sisters, a brother, is that right? Yeah. 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 One, one little sister. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, no. Uh, so yeah, I have a twin brother, Dylan. Um, I have a young uh, a sister who's two years younger than me, Sam, um, and then I have Autumn, um, who is, and I, I think three years old or some three or four years old. Um, but yeah, so my sister has always believed. I mean, I would say that like because I mean she had the childlike faith at the beginning to where even if she were to say to pass away at you know whatever age, where she was so innocent, like she's going to heaven regardless, you know. Um, but. Uh, her best friend, uh, Sydney Dwyer, um, the Dwyers, you know, took Sam in a lot and stuff and always took her to church and stuff like that. I remember, like, Sam, like, we'd be going to, you know, family dinners or whatever. Um, there'd be, like, Thanksgiving or something. And nobody in my family, you know, like, truly, like, believed, like, we're truly following Christ. And Sam like, can I say grace? And she was just this little, you know, eight-year-old girl. Right. And everybody roll her eye, you know, roll her eyes and be like, oh, my gosh. And, but she would. And... Still to this day, she's, you know, the most remarkable person. I literally have her handwriting tattooed on me, you know, that says, I'm loved by the one who anchors me. Um, and I got that in her handwriting with just how significant, like, how she really, truly practiced. I mean, the verse from Romans 116, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Like, she should, showed that. She had to come home each and every day to a family who didn't believe, who would roll, literally roll their eyes every time she wanted to pray or talk about Jesus or we had to go to some program about, you know, the birth of Jesus and stuff. But she didn't care. Like, she knew who Jesus was. Um, so I'm thankful for her and just commend her for how amazing she is for that. Um, my brother, um, you know, for the longest time, you know, we grew up in a house, obviously, that didn't, you know, proclaim who Jesus was, didn't go to church, nothing. We both had, you know, a lot of trials that we endured at a very early age, and we saw things that most kids probably shouldn't um, to where... Uh, believing in a God that is so good, you know, was off the table um, to work. But, you know, with him, you know, he went down a pretty dark path, um, uh, you know, of depression and everything, um, obviously suicidal thoughts and stuff. Um, and once I came to know Christ and stuff, um, obviously at first once I realized what I was saved from, which was eternity, you know, and, and hell, and, you know, just a life full of just emptiness, um, and 
I just wanted to shake everybody, especially closest to me, like, hey, you have to believe in Jesus. Like, this is the greatest thing ever. Blah, blah, blah. So I was pushing a lot of people away, essentially. I was sure. becoming the guy, you know, as you painted on Adam Sandler movies that's saying, Power of Christ compels you, <laughs> yeah. and splashing salt water, holy water in your eyes. Um, and uh, finally, you know, obviously, you know, with the softening of my heart that the Holy Spirit did and everything, I learned that the biggest thing I can do, especially to the people that are closest to me, is just live it, you know, just walk the walk. And that right there is going to speak all the volumes that you're going to need. Um, and so I started doing that. And my brother, you know, you know, went to Colorado, went to live there and stuff, and uh, loved him to death and still loved him to death. And he, uh, you know, kind of you know, went through a lot of trials out there and everything. And my goal for him, because he didn't really have a whole lot of it at the time, was that true support, that true genuine advice um, that, you know, he wasn't getting from parents or any other family and stuff. Um, and so I was always wanted to let him know that I was there for him. And anyway, he'd call me if he needed, you know, money, if he needed anything, like if he needed my left arm for some odd reason, like it's yours, dude, you know, like, and, and I wanted him whenever he was back to be able to see a difference in me, um, to where he would come back over the summers and, you know, and, and you know, stay with me and, you know, in my old house. And we were doing Young and Free at the time. And he was seeing just all these, you know, you know, high school kids and stuff like that, you know, over at the house, you know, on a Wednesday night. And, you know, we're just all having a good, you know, good time outside and stuff like that. And don't like, my brother's doing this. Like, well, this is insane because he knows what I've done in my past and right. stuff. And then, you know, come to find, you know, that I'm now, you know, like being able to be a, a, you know, a worship leader. Like him and I have always been crazy about music. I mean. Started with Def Leppard when we were in our fourth grade year. I'm falling asleep every night with headphones, listening to Bringing on the Heartbreak, you know. Like, I'm I'm singing it to the whole crowd in high school, you know. Like, you know, I'll start at that young age. And now it's like I'm being able to lead, you know, help lead for a church and stuff. And he's like, man, like, something's weird with this. Because he was so, like, you know, like, anti-against his. He was just, you know, a lot of logic, logic, logic. Doesn't make sense. You can't see it, can't feel it. Not there. Sure. Um, and then it started with small little things where he's like, man, maybe Gage is just doing so much good in, in this universe, the universe is favoring him, you know, and, and that, that kind of thing. So he was starting to kind of pick up little concepts of it. And then, you know, flash forward, you know, all these years, you know, these three years and now, you know, I was able to, you know, lead him to all following Christ and, you know, and now he's, you know, him and his, you know, girlfriend, future wife, Holly are going to, you know are going to church and everything. They and, are. Yeah, and then awesome. but they're also moving back. Really? Yeah, I got him a job with your old boss, Matt Hurd. Nice, <laughs> yeah. nice. And, yeah, so he's going to start working for him, and they're going to start coming to our church and stuff. And towards just, like, you know, a moment that, like... Praise Jesus. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Obviously, you have parents who are kind of still going through their own walks and stuff. So. Yeah. And why is it, why do you think it is not... Not specifically in your shoes, in mine, and anyone's shoes. Why is it so hard to disciple, to share the the word with your family over friends or even strangers? Like why why is it so hard when they're that close to you? I think the biggest thing is is that for one, um, for I would say like for you, the one who's sharing, um, the fear of rejection's big because you got to know that like, you're gonna see them on the holiday. Like, if it's just like a guy that you see, you know at work or whatever maybe or whatever it's like eh, you know it doesn't 
Yeah, you don't have to talk to yeah, him. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I'll just avoid, avoid this guy, or I'll just take my lunch at a different time, you know, than him. But with your family, like, you're gonna see him, you know, every holiday, everybody's birthday, or whatever. And it's gonna be awkward that peer rejection. Also, on their side of things, they've seen your life before Christ. And all the mistakes you've made, all this other stuff, and you know, with me, like I would get a new, like a, a new passion in something, and I would just—I'm a person where if I, when I get a new passion in something, I fully pursue it. You know what I mean? Sure. So they're like, oh, you know, it's just another one of those things, right? You know what I mean? It'll be gone in exactly, yeah, in a few months. Yeah, I mean, this guy was about to get a neck tattoo last month. Like, <laughs> no way, this is gonna last. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so. I feel like, yeah, with, with family, I don't know, I feel like in your mind, and the enemy kind of puts on it, like, there's more on the line. You know what I sure. mean? And okay. to, to that, there's, like, a lot of pressure to that, I guess. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot more, I guess, heart into it, because, like, you've known this person your entire life, and you truly don't want them to go to hell. Like, you don't want anybody to go to hell, but especially, like, your family, like, your heart on that is so much more profound and so much more, uh, I guess, inclined to that, just because you've knowing them your entire life, you know, and knowing what hell is and understanding what hell is, which is eternity completely away, separated from Christ and separated from any hope, any joy, any, you know, anything, anything that is good, you know, it's nothing but eternal suffering. And it's like, I don't want anybody to go there. And knowing that your family's on the line, that's a lot of pressure. And I feel like compared to just a buddy, you're able to bring it up more casually. Because it's like, ah, you know, we'll get more chances at this or whatever it may be and stuff like that. You just look at it more of like on a, and, but uh, with family, there's more of a hindsight to it towards like, if they get a wreck tomorrow, like I cannot live knowing that, you know, my mom, you know, isn't going to happen or my brother or my grandparent or whatever it is. There's just, I don't know, there's pressure to it. Maybe, I don't know. Like, yeah. And I guess there is more like to a friend, to a buddy, if you're a if you're a believer and a follower and your your best buddy's not, you can look at him and like just say, "Dude, you're stupid. Yeah. You really do need to change the way you're, you're yeah. being stupid. You're gonna go to hell. Yeah. Like you're stupid. Stop. Yeah, you can't talk that way to your mom. Right? <laughs> I mean, like, you I could, but what do you I I don't know. My mom, my dad, no, it wouldn't it wouldn't work out well. Yeah. I got to talk to my mom <laughs> a completely <laughs> different way than than I can to my friends. So. Right, hundred percent. So yeah, that does make sense. But well, man, we've been going for a little over an hour. Are you serious? Yeah. No way. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, just over an hour. Well, the Joe Rogan experience goes for three hours. So. Yeah. But dude, this has been awesome. It has been. And you know, when I when I first got the, I've always wanted to do a podcast. But I didn't want to just do a podcast just to do one. And so uh, when I finally was like, I got an idea. You were the first person I thought of. When when I was like had some questions about the Bible, like I didn't know any of the stories, anything from the Bible. And I was on a hunting trip with some with some family and another buddy. And I said, dude, when we get back, we got to start a Bible study. I'm going to call Gage and Seth and have them lead it. Cause uh, so anytime something comes up, I'm always like, dude, Gage is the guy. Like if it's if it's like biblical, you know, I'm all. If I wanted someone to work on my truck, I wouldn't call you. No, I definitely. But <laughs> but uh, but yeah, when it comes to this kind of stuff, you're always the number one call, and I I appreciate you helping me like bring this to fruition and stuff. It's been it's been pretty awesome. Like I said, man, it's like a chain, dude. Like 
for me, you know, it, you know, it took, you know, guys like, you know, Seth, Dennis, you know, Kyle, for sure. you know, like guys like that, you know, to me and then now to you and then everything else. But I don't look like that, like, like the chain going just straight down. Like I, you know, cause at that point gravity takes control and everything it's else. It's like a pyramid just, scheme. Yeah, ex- I agree. But however, it's like, dude, like you've like, especially like recently, especially with this last, you know, the, just this last year. Have like spoke just as much life to me as I've spoken life to you, and that's the cool thing about this. It's not a pyramid scheme. It's like it's no longer like you know, like okay, you have to go you know based off your superior. You know what I mean? Like it's like yeah. now like once you have that brotherhood, and once like like Seth I always put it in a way where it's like once you round home base, like once you're discipling somebody, and you round those bases, and you're at home you know home base where you can share the gospel confidently, and you know you're able to live that obedient life and everything. At that point, it's like we're all just brothers now. You know what I mean? Like towards like there's been times in my life where I'm gonna need you to encourage me and speak life to me and slap me over the head and be like, hey, you, you know, you know what God says, man. You know, like you know, don't do that. Or I've been seeing you do this or whatever it may be. And this just isn't line of God's word. Like you've done that to me, in my life as much as I've done it to your life, which is really cool to me. Yeah, that is. is. So, that's that's way better now. Seth is Seth is way smarter than I am, and he's got a deeper voice. He does. <laughs> he really does. <laughs> So, all right, well, do you have, uh, do you want to put your social medias out there if anyone wants to look you up or anything? Uh, yeah, just don't look at my police reports or anything else like that. <laughs> I'm kidding. I've never been arrested, thankfully. Um, so, yeah, my Facebook is, uh, you can just go to just Gage Luckner, G-A-G-E, uh, for the first name, and then L-E-C-K-N-E-R. I'm the only Gage Luckner in the entire world, so... Um, you shouldn't have any problems following me on there, and as well as on Instagram. And then, if you want to add me on the Holy Bible app that you can download on your iPhone or your Android, um, I'm on there. Just at Gage Lechner again. Um, I'd love to link with you there. You can share, you know, prayer requests on that. And I love being able to pray, you know, for you know friends that I'm friends with on there, um, being able to see their prayer requests and stuff. And but yeah, awesome. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Gage, thanks again for being on here. Thanks to my wonderful wife, Jennifer, for Thanks, she does all the hard work in this. She's the one that spends all the hours on the, on the cool graphics and on all that stuff making this happen. So um, if you want to find us, you can find us on Facebook at the Almost Home Podcast and on Instagram at almosthome.podcast. So until then, God bless you all. I love you, and we will see you next time.